You're listening to Cracking the Rich Code with Miss Marilee. Your insider's club from authors and entrepreneurs across the country giving us their best to help us crack the rich code. And now, here is Miss Marilee. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cracking the Rich Code. I am Miss Marilee. Today, I welcome Joy Gilfillan, the host of Joy Talks. She has a podcast series featuring uh, community town halls. Uh, these game-changing conversations reveal inherent uh, fractures caused by system failures, homelessness, and more. She's here to share her method on the natural change model. She's created a step-by-step system for self-reflection, change, and the fear-to-joy gauge. Joy puts these concepts into action by helping us to understand our personal values and the power of converging our circle of influence. Let's find out how she helps us to uncover the challenges that allow us to find extraordinary opportunities by learning the five steps to find our individual capacity. Joy, Hello. are you there? I am. Oh, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am really well. Welcome to the show. <laughs> good. If we you are... have a bad signal at any time, let me know and I'll move. I'm on a cell phone. Okay. I'm sure okay, will. thanks. I sure will. Not a problem at all. Okay, so we are, we are live, and um, we are talking about your chapter, Quantum Leadership Using the Natural Change Model. That's an interesting title, so let's start there. <laughs> what made you call it that? Because I was trying to figure out, as a parent and as a businesswoman and as a civic civically involved person, how in the world the world works if we were not trying to control it as humans from the external. In other words, how does nature work naturally (laughs) so that we can become leaders in natural growth processes? Mm -hmm. That's why. Yeah, I I love that. I absolutely love that. And I love how you built nature in there. And um, in your natural change model, you made a point about learning to swivel and build resilience and strengthen our emotional core. Talk about that. Yeah, that actually came when I was a kid on a farm. Um, When you're about eight or nine or 10 years old and you're on 200 acres and there's wild cattle, I mean, cattle and wild animals and all kinds of things around you, it's really easy if you're alone on the mountain and you've got a bunch of cows and a storm coming in or you've got a predator. If you allow your fear to overtake your emotions, you make mistakes. And you fall down, you, you get sure. scared, you jump, you scream, and, and you get in trouble. But if you learn to control your emotional response and just be aware to all the surroundings around you and everything that's happening and watching everything, then you can learn to be very, very happy regardless of the conditions, and you can focus your energy and take intelligent steps forward, which is what mm. we need to do badly today. For sure. So learning to I swivel totally and pivot that. is important. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And that goes back to our, well, your mother nature um, and talking about how she is working 24-7. How does she do it all in just these changes that you're talking about, right? And and learning how (laughs) to go with the wind. (laughs) Well, and in a moving economy, my God, we've got such a fast-moving economy and we've got a world that just sped up huge since the the turn of the century when technology Mm. came in. And we became mm-hmm. a global society, and capitalism got huge, and the world around us in business is massive. 
And I the know. problem is, is that we like to think that we can't handle it ourselves and it's overwhelming. So we close our heads, put our heads in the sand and close our minds to mm-hmm. what the opportunity is. And I think that's what, that's the biggest challenge we're facing in America today. Mm. Putting our head in the sand? Yeah. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. so much happening in the world around us. I mean, just turn on the news and everybody turns it off because <laughs> it's, it's yeah, like well, too so much. negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too negative. Well, it's terrifying. It yeah. I mean, we got crises mm-hmm. everywhere. So it's mm-hmm. easy to shut down when what we need to be doing is opening up. I agree with that. Amen. So in your natural change model, um, you say it's a holistic system. Tell us how it's holistic. I love that. <laughs> well, okay. So in nature, every single thing, 365 days a year, nature is changing. And people love mm-hmm. to say there's no new thought. There's, you know, everything is the same that it's always been. Well, that's true, except it's all revolving. Our earth is spinning mm. every day. And the mm-hmm. world around us is spinning every day. And our bodies are revolving and recycling blood and lymphatics and you know, Mm -hmm. brain cells and our body is transforming Mm -hmm. every single day. So understanding that as your body is growing and as the world around you is growing, other things are dying. And so stop Mm -hmm. resisting it. Let it die. Right. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. when you try to block the flow of that, which is trying to go away, um, Mm -hmm. you create resistance and it hurts. So it's not about just the power of positive thinking that controls our future. It's the power to be actually able to engage with the future actively and to actively engage with letting go of that which has to die. You know, Mm -hmm. there are things that are going to die and let it go and stop fighting it. Mm -hmm. So it's the law of attraction and what Abraham Hicks and some of the other teachers used to talk about is the law of deliberate creation, which is creating on purpose into the future. Right. Creating our purpose into the future, and that is powerful. Okay, so um, <laughs> yeah. it sounds good in theory. Is there like a, an example you can think of to let things go? Just let things go that are meant to go. Um, I'll be very specific about a problem that we've got right now. We've got um, a war game going on in our world, and we've created mm-hmm. this situation where we are living with a lot of guns and violence. And in the in the past, in the Wild West, you know, I live out west. And in the Wild West, we used to uh, use guns to solve a lot of our problems. Now, the truth is we didn't use guns. We used knives and we used tents and we used all kinds of other tools. But Uh we've gotten this story that comes from disaster capitalism and the overreach of huge corporations and multinational companies and, you know, the war machine and the consumption of oil. All of those things have focused our attention on fear and climate change and populations and all these other things. Well, if what you can realize is that we've got an enormous amount of human capital, intelligent human capital on the planet right now, we've got some of the most brilliant minds, we've got the latest in research, we've got incredible numbers of people who are learning about entrepreneurism and social capitalism and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. in the gig economy so if Mm -hmm. we stop focusing on just guns as solving the problem and we start letting go of that defensiveness which is killing us literally Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we start focusing on what is our future and how can we team it up together into the future to change the future we can change the entire way that we function in our community 
And I agree. Specifically, okay, so mm-hmm. specifically what I've done mm-hmm. is I went from being a free enterprise leadership coach to looking at my community and saying, okay, what can I give back to my community with my leadership knowledge? And I actually decided to run for sheriff of Whatcom County, which is really mm-hmm. bizarre for a leadership mm-hmm. coach to do. But right. I did it because I figured out that the pivot foot in any community is is the sheriff. He's mm-hmm. the one or yeah. she is the one who can mm-hmm. make changes in systems that actually change the way we look at preparedness and fear and prepare for disasters and deal with the future better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make wow. any sense? Do you understand? It absolutely, no, it absolutely does. And I, I love how you're proactive like that. You just figured it out and, and stepped up. That's uh, most people would be afraid. <laughs> well, it is, and I'll tell you, the first time somebody said, "You know, Joy, we had it. We have a sheriff right now. That's that's um, he's really focused in the old guard and in the old uh-huh. story that law enforcement is the only way to control problems." Well, the yeah. thing is, is it's unsustainable. You can't do it. It's resisting the 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 anger and the problems that we've got. And so you've actually, you, we actually have to face the problems that we have. We have climate change problems. We have economic mm-hmm. problems. We have real social problems. We've got violence problems. How are we going to sure. fix it? And as I, as I worked in it, I went, mm-hmm. you know what, we need a new sheriff in town. And I tried to find one that was from the law enforcement field that was capable of looking at the problems we've got. I couldn't find one. And one sheriff's deputy told me, he says, you know, Joy, you ought to run. And I went, I can't run. (laughs) He said, yes, you can. You know more about that because I diagrammed the jail and justice system to figure out how it's decomposing our community and creating the crime and creating the poverty and creating the income inequality and creating all these things. Mm -hmm. We can turn Mm -hmm. it over and go the other direction if we use our ingenuity and our capacity as leaders and as innovators and as collaborators and as entrepreneurs, right. bottom line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and it takes somebody to step up with that kind of vision to lead the pack. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good for you. And imagine this. Yeah, yeah and imagine. Mm-hmm. Imagine. I had no idea. When I decided to do it, I went, oh, my gosh, do I want to run around packing a bunch of guns and, you know, mm-hmm. a Kevlar vest and doing all this stuff. And I realized that a sheriff is not that. The sheriff is actually the leader of a community. And the mm-hmm. sheriff, sheriffs across the nation are connected through right. professional organizations, just like every other organizational group, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. I can bring forward a solution, a real solution for other sheriffs across the nation, we can connect and talk and share, and we can actually change the future without adding more guns and going in debt more and putting all our taxpayers in tax bondage and hurting our kids. We can flip it upside down and do it the other way. Mm-hmm. It's such a it's, um, a positive and holistic outlook on our future and, and a belief system. But like you said, so many people live in fear. And if they live in fear, totally. they don't follow that, right? So oh, they, totally. they believe that the masses have to be controlled by guns and authority. And we can't literally change them to live in love and faith you know, change our behaviors so that we're not falling down that path that you're talking about. So we, we don't change them. We change us. <laughs> we change ourselves at the local. Let, you know, it's, it's really an inverted. It's an inside-out conversation, and the middle is me. 
So Mm -hmm. whether I'm looking at the past or the future in the middle is me right here, right now. And so Mm -hmm. I can't go change Trump tomorrow. I can't go change, you know, the war in Iraq tomorrow. But what I can do is look locally at my local community and say, which job could I take that I actually Mm -hmm. could make a difference in? And then you take action that way. So it's highly localized thinking and then the local ripples out. It's sort of like dropping a, you know, a rock in a pond. When you mm-hmm. drop the pebble in the pond and you take an aggressive action or an assertive action, I should say, it causes mm-hmm. a ripple. Now, everybody focuses on the ripple. But the fact is right. that rock is still dropping down into the bottom of the lake. And it's right. causing changes all the way down. And eventually it's going to come to rest. In the meantime, everything else is moving, and it's like the butterfly effect. You know, you create changes here, and it moves the water over there, and nobody saw it, but it all changes. Right. That was a useful so analogy, kind of, but it's, yeah. I like it. I like it. But, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking about Marianne Williamson, you know, and her idea oh, of change. Oh, <laughs> She changed the national conversation. Yeah. She really did. Mm-hmm. And whether or not mm-hmm. she she goes on to be a, a presidential uh, um, contender at the top level and is able to run for run for president at the top, you know, against mm-hmm. Trump, she has changed the conversation across the nation. She made po- the power of positive thinking. She made not just uh, the power of positive thinking. She made generosity and love and genius and intelligence and Mm-hmm. you know, living health and the nature of the body. I mean, she's made it a national conversation at a level that no other politician has in my, that I'm aware of uh-huh. in my lifetime. That's mm-hmm. massive. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and then, <laughs> yeah. From and the what it's doing is, mm-hmm. that's right. Ahead, and it's right. provoking awareness in the news media because the news media is, I mean, the, the news media lives on fear. Mm-hmm. That's what drives yep. their economy. That's what drives their news shows. So, mm-hmm. and most people think that fear is the thing that you have to push, and those are the buttons you have to push to sell things. Actually, that's not true. Fear c- creates constriction. In the human body, fear creates constriction. Mm-hmm. So, and, and when you're constricted, people screw up. That's the same thing I learned as a little girl on the farm. You know, you get on a horse mm-hmm. and you're scared, it's going to buck you off. It is. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't stay on a horse if you're in fear. Um, mm. You have to relax and you have to let the energy throw through you all the way through your spine, down your tailbone, through the back end of the horse and his hindquarters and down into the earth and then back up. And it's a, it's a mutually adaptive system that Mm -hmm. in order to stay centered on the horse and not get bucked off, you actually have to be present. And that's what Mm -hmm. Marianne is doing in the national um, election cycle right now. Pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to go back talking and thinking. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I want to go back to the fear thing because when you understand that fear is an electrical, it's a bioenergetic force. It's, it's frenetic. Okay, mm-hmm. think about fear for a second and think about what your body does as soon as you start. If, sorry, I laughed. I shouldn't have laughed. Um, <laughs> think about fear in your body right now. I mean, listeners, radio 
you know, the audience, all of you, think about where fear goes when you get afraid and where does it sit in your body. And most people will feel it in their neck or their chest or their legs or wherever they got struck or hurt at some point, and it'll go into that part of the body and it feels really tense and tight. Now, uh-huh. feel mm-hmm. love. Right. I need to breathe for a second. Just feel love in your body. Okay? Mm-hmm. Where does mm-hmm. it sit? Where does it sit? It's calm. It's not frenetic. It's not bound up. It's fluid and it's soft. Now, feel joy. When you feel joy energy, all of a sudden you get excited again. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. But the joy energy mm-hmm. will have kid children. I mean, look at a child that's experiencing joy. He's out exploring the world. He's got all kinds of energy. So does she. She's climbing mountains. She's, she's doing mm-hmm. stuff. They're creative. Mm-hmm. They're learning. So if you can move your energy, your physical energy, from fear-based right. thinking, people often say it's, it, you know, the opposite of, of love is fear. No, well, sort of. But you can also be in love and be afraid. So it's the joy energy that is the creative power for the future. And, you know, for a long time I didn't want to talk about that because my, my middle name is Joy. But Mm -hmm. I finally went, I can't find a replacement word. You know, Mm -hmm. when you climb a mountain Mm -hmm. and you get to the top, it is exhilarating. That is a joy energy. That's a driving, powerful energy. Mm -hmm. So Mm. learning to replace fear in your whole structure and the world around you and and replace it with joy is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so then how do we get there? Is this part of the five-step program? the five-step method you have? It is. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it is. And the the bottom line is you learn how to stop um, and notice what's going on around you. As soon as you start to feel fear, you notice that you've got it. Um, I don't know if I went into that much detail in my quantum leadership chapter, but at the base of it, you stop. You simply stop where you are and say, am I living in fear energy? Am I fighting and, and, and afraid? Or am Mm -hmm. I living in joy energy right now? And as soon as you can notice that, you can breathe into it. This is why a lot of people in fear Mm -hmm. or who are stressed out say, go meditate. Well, you can't always Mm -hmm. meditate if you're middle of a, you know, a 3000 person conference and you're speaking to the audience Mm -hmm. and you get afraid. What you can do is stop for a minute, breathe, (sighs) take a sip of water, pinch Mm -hmm. yourself if you have to. You know, something that gets you Mm -hmm. back in your body. Then you can look around and say, okay, what's going on that I can turn into? And then you can go through this process Mm -hmm. of stop, look, listen, rechange, and repivot your mind into where are you trying to go and what are you trying to achieve? What is the opportunity that is here right now? If I look at it differently, what is the future and what could I do with this? And then you, mm-hmm. you look at the creative future and you focus on the future and you go after it. Hmm. Okay, so you had me in a visual right there. I was visualizing being nervous going on stage and I got myself together and then now I'm going to think about what I'm creating in this moment. So basically yeah. I'm thinking, it, yeah, is it, is it, um, and it hmm, okay, so here's, here's what's critical. It's not what, me, what I want. It's If I'm going uh-huh. on that stage, it's not what I want. It's what the audience wants. The point of stopping, looking, and listening is to listen to the world around you. What is the audience needing right now? Mm-hmm. And what can I give to them that will inspire them to move forward in life? See, if I focus mm-hmm. on what do I want out of that audience, 
it actually puts me back. It makes me very narcissistic and it takes me back into me. It's not about me. I'm not speaking on a stage because it's about me. I'm speaking Mm -hmm. on a stage because the audience wants something. What do Mm -hmm. they need that I can give them right now? So when you look at it that way, then it becomes an opportunity to engage with the audience to create something magical. And mm-hmm. that's what makes, like, for example, Jim Britt, okay, he was one of my teachers, oh, God, 25 years ago. And he taught me about the, you know, the um, the keys. And the key mm-hmm. to everything is being able to open yourself up and unlock the door to your own potential. But it's also to unlock the key to other people's potential and release it so that together their energy and my energy becomes more. Right. And then we can move forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly, especially because if you're looking at the audience as if, you know, okay, so they want something from me. I have a message to give. I have a message that you're wanting. Yeah. I have to deliver. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, writing this chapter for this book was It took me a long time to figure out how I was going to get my message in a few thousand words Mm -hmm. because we're dealing with so much in the outer world and it is so big. We think we're powerless to change it. Mm -hmm. And yet we have to live in our physical world today as our lives are moving around us. So I've got to drive down the street and go to the store a little bit. And I'm going to go to a, a business meeting and I have to deal with, you know, dogs that are barking. And I've got a neighbor that might be melting down because she's got a problem with her child. This is the real world stuff that's happening on the day-to-day world as we're, we're moving around on the, on the surface of the earth. But then inside mm-hmm. of this is me. <laughs> and the only thing out of all that stuff out there that I can control right at the moment is me and my energetic frequency. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I developed that natural growth model is about learning how to understand my fear to joy gauge. Mm. And I, I talked about that gauge in the chapter of the book about how when you are in fear, you actually shut down your protective mechanism. Sure, it can blow up. Your engine can blow if you hit the rev limiter too hard on, on the fear side of the gauge. And right. I'm sorry, I used a language that some people might not understand. It's a it's a car racing language. If you've got an engine and you're trying to race a car and you mm-hmm. rev the engine too high relative to your your gears ability to manage it, you can blow your motor. And mm. this is actually what happens to people who are stressed out in highly complex emotional conditions, like in a in a trauma situation where let's say you, you got in a car accident or someone did something and scared you. If you, if you allow the fear to constrict you so much, eventually that, that fear will blow up. And Mm -hmm. if you are working, the good news about working with joy is that when you, when you turn that fear and you go, okay, man, I'm in a mess. What am I going to do to get Mm -hmm. out of it? Now Mm -hmm. you change the set point in your head and your mind goes into a different place of potentiality and you start to access solutions and ideas and then you can move into the future with, from resourcefulness and it, it actually changes the biochemistry in your body mm-hmm. and that's really powerful. 
Yeah. Because your body then starts to create. Mm. I love that. Um, Yeah. When you said I am a proactive creative being, then it changes my perception about how the world works. That is very powerful because you're taking responsibility. You're accountable for what you can actually do in this world. Yeah. And when, when you understand, okay, so, so here's the false joy. Okay. Cause people mm. can become falsely joyful. It's just like, okay. you know, high school kids, they get full of energy and, and then they drink and get too part, too much party. And then they get out and they start doing stuff. Uh-oh. Um, hear me. Okay. Hello? Yeah, I was losing you there. I was losing you there for a second. Okay. But you got me okay, again? So we were, I got you again. It's, um, you were saying something about a high school student in false joy. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy if you get really joyful, really hyperactive, and you start having a really good time, and then you inject something like uh, alcohol or drugs or something in your system, you can hyperventilate your system, and then you can blow out the other the other direction make mistakes. So you can misjudge hyperactivity mm-hmm. and hyperenthusiasm for joy when it might actually be fear or trepidation, or, you know, so, so walking that line, it's a really fine line between fear and joy. And mm-hmm. the best way that I can explain how to feel the difference, um, hmm. well, I, I, you know, it's like standing on the edge of a cliff and you've got a, a parachute behind you. <laughs> and you're mm-hmm. going to jump off the cliff or you're going to belay down a mountain, okay? And and that first yeah. step over the edge is terrifying unless you know that you've prepared for it and that you've got the safety tools in place and you've got the mechanisms there to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. And then, so so you're terrified except you're excited too. And mm-hmm. so if you yield to the fear, you're going to back away from the cliff and not do it. If you jump into the joy with good preparedness, you can fly off and, oh, my God, the exhilaration is incredible. Mm-hmm. So learning to walk that line between what is real fear and what's false fear and what's real joy and what's false fear, false joy is part of this learning to be in touch with our physical, our bodies, our, 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 our physical body. And that's why it's so important that we eat highly nourishing food, for example, and that we exercise and that we work our bodies out and keep ourselves tuned up because our bodies are vibrant. They're emotionally intelligent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the only way to be able to be emotionally, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. it's fun. Mm -hmm. I love it. And that power of emotion, I mean, the same way you're talking about with the fear, the negativity can spiral us down. But if you can harness that joy and excitement the, and the, um, the excitement of the future you're creating, it creates more of that. So, yeah, our power is, is amazing. So, yeah. Um, in the, yeah, in that fear of joy, so you were talking about, it says, I realize my third eye serves as a laser beam, like a telescope I can adjust, and as a camera where I can change the lens at will. Okay, okay, so here it is. I'm I'm sitting here. I'm looking at running for sheriff. I'm going to use a real experience, okay, Okay. Uh, uh, that's way outside of most people's um, normal process. Most people Mm -hmm. don't decide to run for sheriff, okay, but Mm -hmm. I did because this is a quantum leap conversation, 
Yeah. As I was sitting here, powerless, about to the military industrial complex, and I was feeling powerless about being able to stop my community from building this huge 2,400-bed jail for a 200,000-person mm. community. What are we doing that for? It mm. didn't make any sense, and I couldn't stop the machine. And at the top point where I finally, I diagnosed the machine. Why was the machine bearing down on us doing this? And I, and I, I, I did a, I mean, it took me a couple of years, but I did multiple layers of diagnosis to get down to the pivot foot to understand that the sheriff is the one person who, if I can change the attitude of the sheriff, everything else will change because he'll change from fear protectionism to um, preparedness and, and prevention and, and become the peace officer that we actually mm -hmm. hire a sheriff to be. So at the point of shift, I went, okay, well, I tried. And I tried for several years to change the sheriff's set point. He wouldn't change. He just kept drilling fear. And I went, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to change the sheriff's set point by becoming the sheriff. Mm. Now, once, mm -hmm. once I did that, oh, my God entire lens in my forehead, my ability to think into the future. Okay, let me back up one second. When you get on a freeway, most of us don't look in our rearview mirror to drive forward. Mm -hmm. right? Right. right? We look forward and occasionally we check our rearview mirror to see where we, where we went from or where, what's mm -hmm. coming behind us. But most mm -hmm. of us focus forward. So our third eye or the space between our two eyes where, where our energy um, – See, our brain is two halves, and if you take your two halves, they have to connect in the middle. And in mm -hmm. the middle, if you focus that up the back of your neck and pull it up through your head and, and focus it out through your eyes, the third eye, it's like focusing mm -hmm. way out into the future. And this is what good marksmen do as well when they look at wanting to shoot into a bullseye. They don't look at the bullseye. They look through the bullseye, clear out into where they mm. think the bullets, you know, they got to think clear mm. out. And so when I started looking at, okay, now I'm going to run for sheriff, what's that mean? You know, what's that right. mean and what, what is my vision for the future? And so I want to change the set point today, but where am I going with that? What's my long-term destination? Sure. And I started looking at how do I stop the trauma that we're causing today in our jails how do we pre do preparedness and how do I prepare the troops and the field and the people around me to move into the future? And then what am I going to do and what are the resources that I'm going to have to galvanize in order to sustain that vision into the future? Mm -hmm. And from that place, now I go from where I am literally or mentally, I close my eyes mm -hmm. and I move from where I am right now. I let my past, past be behind me, behind my head. And I jump forward into the future. It's called future thinking. Some people talk about it. You, you go into the future and you say, okay, now I got us through this gap between now and where I want to be. Let's turn around from up there and look backwards and see what I had to do to get there. Mm -hmm. So then, so it's quantum leaping forward so that then you can look back and recreate the process and it helps you move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was that clear? It sounds well, it sounds to me like a vision. <laughs> it is a vision, but you do it with, with positive. The difference between just having a vision that is a nice, sweet, pretty vision is one thing. I'm creating the vision with high intention. 
So yeah, I'm absolutely. actively involved in the future, and then I'm moving forward to step into the future and then look backward and recreate it. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking action on the vision, not just imagining it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that clear? Okay, that is the key. Okay. Yeah, that is the key. We definitely have taken Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. So, um, yeah, so yeah. I, it's like I draw a new roadmap from where I am into that vision. So I'm drawing the roadmap. I think that's maybe the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so to that vision, when you were talking about your third eye, you said in here, the question becomes, what riches do I circulate, share, assimilate, put forth, and create to generate <laughs> positive feelings and satisfaction? <laughs> so, right? So the, yeah, so let's go back to when you were on stage, okay, when I put you in that place where you're on stage and you're talking to 3,000 people and you're going, oh, I'll tell you how I learned this. There was a lady who came to um, a class that she was teaching about public speaking. And for the first 20 or 30, 15, 20 years of my life, most of the focus on public speaking is about how well did you perform? Okay. And so people will talk to you about, did you look at everybody in the audience? Did you smile? Did you, did you pause in the right places? And it's all about the mechanics of speaking well. And so you go to Toastmasters and you learn all these things. This lady came to this class and she was a little sloppy, it seemed, right? She didn't worry about what she looked like. And she Mm -hmm. put us through this exercise where she gave us an assignment to learn how to be a good public speaker. And one of the things was I actually, the exercise I got was to stand up front and have to look down at my notes and do everything wrong. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. I wasn't Mm -hmm. supposed to do it right. I was supposed to do everything wrong. And Mm -hmm. as I was doing everything wrong and looking down, I realized that when I do that, I'm not looking out at the audience, listening to what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. The purpose of looking out into the audience is not so I look good. It's so I can watch what people are thinking and how they're reacting to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so my job is to listen to them by looking at them and observing how their bodies move. Right. And when I can do that, I can electrify the people out there because I can connect to the audience because the audience becomes this collective intelligence form that's why concerts get so crazy and why really good speakers can magnify 20 or 50,000 people is Mm -hmm. because they're connecting to all those bioenergetic fields and feelings Mm -hmm. that are out there and they're helping Mm -hmm. to stimulate them Mm -hmm. yeah I like that I like that but I mean the question becomes to me is just like all right but if I'm speaking to 3,000 people how do I see their faces how do I know they're just there's a sea of people out there what is a lot of times it, depending on where you're at, you might not be able to because you've got you know you got lights sh- shining on you. Yeah. So you got to learn to feel. You got to learn to feel. See, a lot of us we think it's all about seeing what's going on, and I actually use the term seeing because I'm sort of a my personality type and the way my brain works. I draw diagrams and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, But in fact, you could walk into a room and close your eyes and you could feel if there was somebody angry over in the corner. Mm -hmm. Kids often do this when they walk into a, a, a room and there's a cat sleeping over in the corner. They'll feel the cat. They'll find it, man. They'll glom right onto him and go right over. 
Yes. And so you can actually learn to feel through the hairs on your arms, through the back of your head. You can feel it when, you know, when you, when you the neck hairs on the back of your head go up when you, when you sense danger. So we actually right. have many, many senses, thousands of them. In fact, mm-hmm. every single cell in your body has a different kind of a sensory system because it has to listen to what it's trying to do. If it's trying to grow into a skin cell or a hair, you know, an eyeball mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> right. Every cell right. has a different sensory apparatus. And so we're far more like, magical um, than we think. We are. We are definitely magical. And it sounds to me like we've kind of been uh, not dumbed down, but numbed down to not really oh, totally. to put our, yeah, all of our senses to work and instead be, be subject to programming. Mm-hmm. Just tell us what to There's see, a, what to think, what to feel. Yeah, and what they do. This is shock. Okay, when when you go into shock, um, that's what Naomi Klein wrote about when she talked in the, I think it's in the Shock Doctor book, when she was talking about disaster capitalism. What they do is they they shock people, which is what happened to us at the turn of the century. Okay, at, when we went mm-hmm. from a non a less technical slow moving community based agrarian economy or even industrial economy and then we moved into high tech fast moving you know everything's in the clouds all those these um electromagnetic yeah. frequencies are flowing around around us they triggered us and they created massive shock and you saw it in in high school kids and then we started to to dump a bunch of heavy 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 gangster rap and violent movies into the marketplace you know, one storyteller could absolutely shock millions of people in an hour, mm-hmm. okay, and throw us into emotional terrorism. I mean, think about a lot of the movies that came out at the turn of the century because we went from watching television on one channel to um, being able to watch five movies in a night because we could rent them from, you know, the Hollywood video or get them off of Netflix. I mean, in a very short period of time, we went from sensory uh, slowness to sensory overload, and we sort of like had a brownout. Right. And a lot of people <laughs> blew. So, <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. the numbness, and they can they can trigger you once they shock you and numb you. Then people can come in and they can take over your mind with mind control technologies. I I actually think that a lot of the fear that is being out there is is like a hypnotic thing that's coming through the media because Uh the stories, the repetitive stories that can trigger us into inertia and more fear. And we have to learn to activate our sensory systems so that we can pay attention to what's really going on with the birds and the bees and the people around us and stay present in our physical so we can be useful to the world around us. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's um. I often refer to that as the difference between man's world and God's world. You got to stay in God's world. You have to stay here, be present. What look around you? Look around you. You're not being affected by any of this um, right now in your present moment. So now do something. <laughs> but you know, yeah, kind of, and and when yes, go ahead. No, I'm no. God's law, God's right. world, or the world of nature is what I would I would like to use because a lot of times when we talk about God's world. Nature was created, but it's not – a lot of people misuse, I think, the term or or misinterpret. It's not that we necessarily misuse it because people who use the term is good. But when when you're in nature, 
it's the world. It's the natural world around you. There is a world that is natural and living, and there is a world around you that is dead and inert that we have created. And so if we can stay in rhythm with nature, that could be in rhythm with the God force, the life force that's moving, but it's also staying present in the physical so that you can see the world and what, what is actually moving in the warmth of the humans around you, for example, because people love and we feel. So mm -hmm. that's also part of the world, but it's just a little bit more touchable. If, mm -hmm. if, um, am I being clear a little bit? <laughs> no, you are, you are. And, um, <laughs> I really like, uh, what you just said. I'm going to write that down. I love, and I feel because if people just remind themselves, you know, that you do love and you do feel. It's like, where are you at right now? Are you one of those? Are you in fear? That's a great question. You know, are we in love or are we in fear? That's a really powerful question to ask, not just ourselves, but the people in the world around us. For example, if our family is in battle and we're having an argument with our family and we go outside and we go do our meditation and then we come back into the family and the family's still in chaos and we try to control them or they're trying to control us and that the whole thing is about violence over who's in charge and who's right who's wrong who's you know this is the same thing we're perpetuating in our communities with the police and with the whole world of war so Learning how to control whether we're in fear as the person. We are the only people we can control. You know, people mm -hmm. think that guys with guns control us. Well, yeah, but we control how we feel and how we react. So keeping ourselves sure. in a per point of personal power, it's about being able to control um, how do we react to the people. And if we walk back into our family or into any situation with the awareness that everyone else is afraid to, we can lower our fear, fear levels and go, oh, if I start listening to what's going on, what are they afraid of? And what am I afraid of? And what is the opportunity that we have to create change? And what is mm -hmm. aching to be solved here? So I can change my focus from being about me and my false love for people, which is a cerebral experience into an emotion of how can I love them and love me right now so we can move beyond it. So this is, mm -hmm. this is the very epitome of what I had to confront when I was looking at, you know, I'm really angry at the jail industry and the incarceration industry and all of these things. But I had to learn to think for myself about if, if I'm a peace officer as a law enforcement mm -hmm. person, as a sheriff, instead of I am a um, person who carries guns, who's going to get mad at everybody and control people and I'm going to lock them up. These are very different vibrational energies. But if mm -hmm. I walk in, whether I'm carrying guns or not, if I'm walking in with love in my heart going, these people are stressed out and so why are they, are they afraid? I walk into the room with a completely different energy. Do you follow? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so now if what we can do is inf infect our uh, police officers with the energy of they're here to solve emotional problems because the whole reason that anything's in chaos is because people's emotions are out of whack. 
<laughs> you know, right, we're human. Right. And, you know, it's so true. And, I, and I, I'm totally receiving what you say. But here's the issue that I see with that is our police officers have their own emotions, their own things that they're dealing with that they may not even be in a place to deal with somebody else's. What do you think? That's the whole point. That's absolutely true. That's the whole point. <laughs> That's why we have to learn to de-escalate on every single level and stop mm-hmm. pretending at any point that it's about, you know, these, I mean, we, we really get caught up in these rules, these laws, and, you know, what, is, what do I have to do here? What do I have to do there? And, and it's all about me. Well, stop. Let's just stop it. And let's go, okay. It's about humans, and our jobs is to help keep our community safe. The only mm-hmm. way to keep the community safe is actually to deal with the human issues. And, if, mm-hmm. and every single incident, every police officer that walks into any situation, their adrenaline gets going, and they have to deal with the real issues and the real trauma and the real crisis in front of them, and that affects them. So mm-hmm. as a sheriff's deputy, or as a sheriff, for example, if I'm the peacemaker law, law enforcement official of the area that's also responsible for managing crises, the most powerful thing I could do is help people learn to love on the people in the crisis, whether it's the victim right. who got hurt, if there is one, or mm-hmm. the people who are involved in a conflict who need help because they're emotionally distraught and they're not thinking straight, or it's somebody's property got hurt or broke and we have to arrest somebody because we have to hold somebody accountable. All of these things are opportunities to learn to feel through so that Mm. we can help everybody transition. So the thing that's awesome about this is that if I am elected a sheriff, for example, I can talk with other sheriffs in a network of connection connectivity because that's the whole point of all our organizations is connections. People mm-hmm. naturally Absolutely. want to team up and be part of a living world. We are, we love and we feel love through our bones and through our hearts and through our souls. So when we can connect with each other and we can work together to heal the community around us, we learn to de-escalate trauma we learn to mm-hmm. intervene so that we stop harming others through the escalation of trauma. Mm-hmm. We can actually work inside our jail systems to help us de-escalate trauma. We have a right. chance of being able to rebuild our community. That's the key part. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I mean, it's so, very, and very we can feel it. I, yeah. I, and <clears throat> excuse me. I know where you're going with this. I, I totally understand that. Um, I'm wondering if people would think, no, you can't make our law enforcement soft because we're putting them in danger because there's crazy people out there. It's not about being soft. (laughs) See, that's the beauty of this. (laughs) Do you know what? Emotions and energy awareness is the most powerful thing in the world. The power of love, people who have passion and love Mm -hmm. and are able to work with love. When I'm working with a stallion or with a horse or with somebody that's crazy out there, if you <laughs> come, they have more power right at the moment. Yeah. That's why we, we, we use guns to defend ourselves because their emotional power is huge and they're scary and they're, they're volatile and they can blow up. Right. And so mm-hmm. if what I do is I stay into my defensiveness, no, I'm going to control this guy. Well, you can't control that. It's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop thinking you can control mm-hmm. them. 
mm-hmm. and start thinking about how can I help them de-escalate and control what's going on with them. And that puts you in a completely different, powerful position. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've walked in the middle of, of a police officer and a person who was cra- who was um, emotionally <laughs> distraught. Uh-huh. And I had to walk in and I cracked a joke. And because I cracked the joke, both people were diverted. They had to come down and they, they had just a snapshot, just a spark of humanism. And in the mm-hmm. middle of the humanism, I was able to make then another one degree shift. And that's yes. how we de-escalate from these conflicts. And that's how we have to learn. So emotional power is incredible. Mm-hmm. And so yes, learning totally to help our pol- yeah, we have to help our police officers when they mm-hmm. walk out of these things and they just saw something horrible happen. Mm-hmm. They're traumatized. Yeah, I, and the absolutely. yeah, and it's my responsibility mm-hmm. as a sheriff to help them themselves deal with the trauma, come back mm-hmm. and be powerful tomorrow when they have to come back on the streets again. Mm-hmm. We have to help those people in the courtroom who are having to look at these pictures over and over and over because people are arguing and they're looking mm-hmm. at all this traumatic stuff they have to look at. Mm-hmm. But then we also have to go back and be aware that all those people who both caused the trauma and who are family members of those who caused the trauma are also feeling trauma and there's no relief. So Absolutely. part of our job is to become human in a way that's productive, not victimization and accusing and blame shame stuff. It's about helping Mm -hmm. people to understand that what can we do now? I mean, that stuff happened. Yeah. So what's Mm -hmm. up now with our humans so that we can move forward? And that's how can we build, lead and innovate a better future? Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I'm totally on board with you. I just feel like, um, (laughs) how did we not get, how did we get away from that? How, what happened to us? Well, what happened to us and nine 11 happened and it happened Mm -hmm. in a high speed technology world where the world was moving so fast. We all went into fear. It's like shock doctrine. It's like, it's like we go into shock and then we react. And once we react, we go into protection. And if we're law enforcement and we're supposed to protect and we didn't like, how in the world are you actually going to stop a shooter in a town? I mean, really, right, exactly. if he's going to mm-hmm. go off and do his stuff, yeah, we can do protection. But the only way to really stop that is to de-escalate it before it starts, which is we have to become humans living in a human world where the mm-hmm. power around us is so big. I mean, the idea that we can nuclear bomb a hurricane. I mean, I my know. God, that just came out in the news. I mean, that's just stupid. I mean, mm-hmm. God, nature... I didn't mean to swear. Mm. Nature works. (laughs) Life works. We are part of a living world. If we can be human ourselves in the jobs we hold, Mm -hmm. and if we can work together across sheriff's units, we can help to de-escalate the fear we have that we can't control nature. Okay, Mm -hmm. We actually need to, to work with nature and understand that everything that goes up will come down. Everything that we put out with violence is going to come back with violence. And Mm -hmm. if we learn to work in the space between, see, the power is in the space between. It's not in the two polarities. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, a gun, when it goes off, it kills something. You can't take back that bullet. 
Nope. But, mm. but when you're growing a human as a mom, as a grandparents, we all know it takes months, years to grow a human's potential. And if we work with that power in our institutional systems, we can grow a different future. We can grow a different humanity. We can grow a different culture. And so we've been in reactivity. It's time to come down out of reactivity, come down out of that fear, revitalize our communities. And sheriffs are at the pivot point. They can Mm -hmm. change from imagining that they're just law enforcement officers with big military gear that we can go out and attack people and we can protect right. our people through guns. And we, sh- and mm. we shift our consciousness back to our job as a peace officer. Our right. job is to bring peace and safety to our community. And the most powerful way to that, to do that is empower our kids that get off course, empower our divorced people who just went through trauma or a person who just lost their home. To help right. them, exactly. yes, they may. Sure, they need to get corrected for the harm they caused. But let's help them too get back on the bandwagon and get back in community and get back to being resourceful. Right. So exactly. prevention and helping people is the most valuable thing we can do across our law enforcement arenas. And it's the most valuable thing we can do in business. It's the most valuable thing we can do everywhere is grow people around us. That's the opportunity. Amen. I'm with you. I'm 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Joy, we we only have a few seconds left. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing all that. And I, I, you got my vote. I wish you the best of luck, (laughs) Sheriff. Thank uh, you. I'm over here working with you. Go ahead. Okay. You can go to Joy Gilfellin. Yeah, mm-hmm. joygilfellin.com or joyforsheriff.com. Joy Gilfellin awesome. is spelled J-O-Y-G-I-L-F as in Frank, I-L-E-N.com. Love to hear from you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You bet. Bye.